only we can fly. On the program today, we've got US Open Tennis. It's just around the corner. Who's going to go all the way? We've got McGregor v Mayweather, the super fight from Vegas. Mayweather, 50-0. And we've got NBA, Kyrie Irving to the Boston Celtics. LeBron James wanting to leave Cleveland. Where is he gonna go? This is no holds barred. Wow, what a program we got today from the No Holds Barred Studios. It's Jay Colf at the Colf, man. We are back on air. We have had a little bit of a break, but we had to get back in the studio here because there is all kinds of sport going on around the globe right now, and we need to talk about it because that's what we do here at No Holds Barred. Nothing is spared here. And we've got an action-packed show here today. We've got to get right into it. Today's program, as we heard, we've got the US Open from Flushing Meadows, New York. The city is going to come alive for the next two weeks with the US Open tennis. We've got all kinds of mad matchups. Big prospects looking to break through for their first Grand Slam title. I'm going to talk to you about that. Of course, we've got the usual superstars in the draw, Federer, Nadal. But the draw is weakened because some of these players have been dropping like flies. Nishikori out, Stan Varinka out, Andy Murray pulled out. An emotional press conference from the, the uh, Scottish superstar there a couple of days ago. So the opportunity is there for some of the new breed to come through. Some of the guys who have been knocking on the door for a little while, and I'm going to talk to you about Alexander Zverev out of Germany, and I'm going to talk to you about Grigor Dimitrov, two of the guys I have been hot on, and two guys that have won big 1,000 events leading into the US Open, and they need to be looked at here for this title. I believe they are a threat. And uh, I would be disappointed to not see these guys go deep in the draw. We are also going to talk about the NBA. Kyrie Irving being traded to the Boston Celtics. 
Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers did a deal. Bit of a shock around the league that the Cavs moved Irving on to Boston, one of their rivals in the Eastern Conference. But let's be honest, the Celtics had all the pieces. They've got more draft picks than any, more first-round draft picks than any uh, ball club around the league, any franchise. Danny Ainge is uh, holding on to those draft picks like their sports cars, and he pulled the trigger because... The heat was mounting on uh, Danny Ainge. He had to make a move, and Irving is a superstar. As much as I think he's got a real attitude problem and that he's absolutely crazy for wanting to play anywhere else other than uh, in LeBron James's back pocket. Um, but he got his wish. He's now a Boston Celtic. We're going to talk about the trade that went down, what the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers got in, re in return there. Um, but also we're going to talk about... Uh, some news today behind the scenes there in the NBA. Um, it's been reported that LeBron James making moves to get out of Cleveland. Not really happy with what's gone down there in the offseason. And uh, there is a huge case mounting for him to be heading to Hollywood uh, after next season. That's all to do with what I spoke about there about a month ago in terms of it's all about brand, it's all about big picture, it's all about the mogul LeBron James, business interests, total brand, uh, billion dollar focus, and the Los Angeles Lakers are on the King's radar. And if you're a Lakers fan, you would be jumping with joy. And I know I am in the No Holds Barred studio. So we're going to talk some NBA, and then we are going to get on to the super fight Mayweather and McGregor, I thought it was an absolute beauty. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they didn't know what to expect. This had never been done before. It had the potential to be a fizzer. Uh, but Mayweather was clinical, and Conor McGregor really showed some uh, outstand, uh, outstanding skills. He ran out of steam in the end, the Irishman. Uh, he was uh, unable to go the distance. I thought that was going to be the case. And it was Mayweather in 10 rounds. Uh, picking McGregor apart in the end in a stoppage. But the Irishman, he, uh, he performed well, and uh, he can hold his head high. I thought it was a good spectacle, a great event, and we are going to talk about that. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. We are back in the next segment. We are talking NBA. This is No Holds Barred. <laughs> We are back. No holds barred studio. We are talking NBA. There has been some things that have gone down with some of the heavy hitters of the league. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Boston Celtics, and there is news behind the scenes. Hollywood is looking to come alive. LeBron James. Apparently he's out. He is out of Cleveland. He's thrown in the towel. But we're going to get to, get to that very, very soon. We want to talk about the Kyrie Irving trade to the Boston Celtics and what it means moving forward for the Eastern Conference, what it means for the Cleveland Cavaliers and what it really means for the rest of the league. Um, I really think it was a bit of a surprise, Kyrie getting traded from the Cavs to the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics were situated the best of any of those teams. As I said, Danny Ainge had all the, the leverage with his draft picks. He was just a little bit reluctant to 
make make a move. But uh, he pulled the trigger on this one, and Irving now looks like he's going to be a Celtic. But over the last 24 hours, there has been a hiccup. Isaiah Thomas and that nagging hip injury, uh, he seems to have failed his physical with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now the Cavaliers are saying they want more. They want a sweetener for the deal. And they've come out and they've talked about two players. Uh, the rookie Tatum out of Duke and also Jalen Brown, I believe it is, uh, the wing player who is going to take some time to develop. But they said they want to throw, they want the Celtics to throw in either Brown or Tatum to get the deal done because they're not happy with the situation with Isaiah Thomas's uh, hip injury, that nagging hip injury, which uh, looks like uh, he may have to have surgery on that hip. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers are absolutely kidding themselves if they think the Celtics are going to uh, do that deal. Uh, Boston and Danny Ainge are not going to uh, let Brown or Tatum go. These two guys uh, are two guys they're looking to develop around a Kyrie Irving, around a, uh, a Gordon Haywood, and around uh, their other, other forward, their other piece, Al Horford. Those guys are, are pretty much off limits, and uh, they want to develop those guys uh, around these uh, around these more experienced campaigners, around these star players, to uh, to dominate the Eastern Conference and uh, to set themselves up for for championship glory moving forward. <clears throat> so the Cavaliers really are really just doing this to waste the the Celtics' time. Um, we will see what takes place here. I believe the deal will get done by. Uh, by, by Thursday or Friday of this week, um, but we will have to to, to see what uh, what takes place. Now, in terms of the deal, the Celtics, I believe the Celtics uh, with Kyrie Irving in uh, in green and white, with him uh, in Beantown, uh, I think it's um, a perfect move for them. But they they have had to give up a lot of a, a lot of players in order for this to take place. They don't have Avery Bradley anymore. Jay Crowder, their best defensive wing player, uh, has had to come across to Cleveland as well. And the future first rounder in 2018, um, I don't think they were really concerned about that that much because they are loaded with um, with young uh, with draft picks that they can use uh, moving forward. And uh, the, other, the other player involved in the deal, I believe, was... Uh, I think it was a big seven-footer European player, uh, Antich, I believe his name was. Uh, he's basically irrelevant. Um, that was just a throw-in. Where it is a, it's not a, a seven-footers league now. It's not a dominant centers league now. It is a wing. It's a, it's a guard dominant league. Wing players, three-point, uh, three-point shooters, slashes that can, can 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 get to the rim and kick the ball. Um, so you know, but Jay Crowder, that uh, they've given up plenty of defensive. Uh, defensive uh, players there, some defensive uh, hustle, some defensive strength, and uh, but the, the Cavs have gone, uh, 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 have, have made the move, and the Celtics have gone all out attack. Um, what will take place with this, with the Isaiah Thomas thing, it is very, very interesting uh, to see what takes place. I'm just not sure what Cleveland can do uh, moving forward, they're an, uh, an, an older and aging roster. LeBron James know that. Isaiah Thomas, the diminutive five foot eight point guard, yes, he can put up uh, 
put up a lot of points, but with this hip injury, I don't think that's a, a good situation. Will he be able to get back to his best? I highly doubt it. Um, yeah, Jay Crowder gives you some help there uh, on the wing uh, with some with some defence. Um, but, uh, you know, I just think with everything that's going down here, what, what are Cleveland able to do to, to uh, give LeBron uh, incentive to hang around? I think um, whatever moves that they make um, is really irrelevant right now because word out of the NBA is that LeBron is, is basically, it's a, it's a done deal. He wants out of Cleveland. Um, he's looking at the bright lights of Los Angeles, uh, California, with the, the Los Angeles Lakers, not the Clippers. He's all about the Lakers. Um, he's got uh, business deals that are going on there, a production company where uh, it's all already up and running. Uh, his business partners and uh, his his managers and, and agents have bought houses there over the last uh, the last two NBA seasons, so the last two years. So everything's pointing for LeBron to you know what to take off and head to Los Angeles. So Cleveland ownership and and the front office. Uh, I've got to be panicking right now. What do we do about this? Uh, because without LeBron James there, Cleveland becomes uh, basically just a dark black hole. Now, LeBron has, has done what he, uh, what he wanted to do there. He's brought a championship back to Cleveland. And I think the motivation behind him taking off to LA is not only uh, to play for the Lakers for his brand, but also his business interests are there. And he wants to become the first player in NBA history to win an NBA championship title with three different teams. he done it with the Miami Heat. He's done it with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And now he's look, he wants to do it with the Los Angeles Lakers. The appeal with the Lakers is not only, um, you know, with the Lakers brand, he wants ownership as well. And uh, to, to be an NBA owner after his career's done, and what better team to be, uh, to be an owner with than the number one uh, brand or team in the league, uh, the Lakers. He uh, he looks at that roster with uh, you know Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram uh, is going to go into his third year. He's probably going to be an 18 to 20 point scorer this year. Um, and then there's the Russell Westbrook and Paul George situation in Oklahoma. Uh, Paul George. Uh, has said he wants to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. They think that's probably going to be a done deal after this year that he spends with uh, with Westbrook in Oklahoma. So, you know, a lineup of LeBron James, Paul George, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball, um, that is very, very, very enticing. And then, and, and then with a, a supporting cast built around that, there was talk of Russell Westbrook maybe coming along. He hasn't signed a, uh, his uh, long-term offer sheet in, uh, in Oklahoma. So, you know, which one's it going to be? Is Westbrook uh, dart to LA uh, to play there? Does Paul George? Um, but it looks like LeBron is headed for the Hollywood Hills. And uh, Cleveland, if you're a Cleveland, uh, you know, if you're in Cleveland ownership right now, if you're Dan Gilbert, if you're the front office, you are absolutely ropeable. And it is absolute panic stations for those guys there. Um, because as I said, their franchise and their team becomes a dark, dark hole, uh, and it's not somewhere where you want to play moving forward without LeBron James being there. And, you know, there's talk of uh, D Wade coming on board this year with LeBron there, but I think this is going to play out over the next, uh, the next week to two weeks. You know, what do Cleveland do with this situation? Because word is coming out that it's a done deal. He is done and dusted, and, uh, you know, 
if that's the case, the Celtics, they're a shoe-in to dominate the East over the next five to six years with, uh, with Haywood, with Kyrie Irving, with uh, you know, Jalen Brown, uh, Tatum, Horford. Um, they're a shoe-in to dominate. And Cleveland, they have stunk without LeBron James. They were terrible before he arrived. And they'll be terrible again when, uh, when he decides to leave and take his uh, incredible talents to, to Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers out there in L.A. And if you're a Lakers supporter, you are absolutely fired up right now. And uh, this is going to play over the next two weeks, so stay tuned with that. Uh, incredible goings-on in the NBA right now. So in saying that, it's going to be extremely interesting to see what takes place with the, the Celtics and Cavaliers over the next couple of days. Um, in regards to the uh, Isaiah Thomas situation, um, what... Uh, what Boston have to give up in order to make that deal go through and cement that deal to lock Kyrie in. Um, you know, if if it turns out that they were trying to, the Danny Ainge and the uh, the the front office there were trying to pull a uh, a swift move there with Isaiah Thomas with the 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 hip injury that uh, was reported, um, then this really could really come back to bite uh, bite the Celtics. Uh, in the backside for not only this deal but future deals moving forward with uh, with other teams and um, you know so to see how this pans out will be very very interesting and Cleveland right now have a little bit of leverage they uh, they have the upper hand in this and Boston have to work quickly behind the scenes to get this deal done and you know, in terms of Tatum and Brown, they do not want to give up these two guys. These two guys are their young guys that they want to bring on, uh, bring along and develop around the more experienced star players that they have. Um, but Cleveland uh, can play a little bit of hardball now and say, you know what, we want Tatum or we want uh, we want Brown. Otherwise, we are not giving you Kyrie in this deal. So Danny Ainge, uh, he may have tried to pull us 50 here. Now he may be in a very, very difficult spot, uh, and he's, he's going to have to work some serious magic over uh, the next couple of days, and uh, so stay tuned on that. Uh, we're going to report this uh, here at uh, No Holds Barred. It will be very, very interesting to see what goes down, but the Cleveland-Boston deal is, is at a stalemate right now until they work out what the deal is with... Uh, the five foot eight point guard Isaiah Thomas and his hip injury, but Cleveland they want more. Will they get more? Will they get what they want? Uh, only time will tell. Uh, the big news though has got to be the LeBron James situation. As I said previously, there uh, Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers they are in the box seat uh, to attain his services. Um, and uh, you know, as it was reported earlier on. Uh, he's got the business interests in Los Angeles. Uh, Hollywood uh, is um, a marquee destination for LeBron. He, he's in uh, he's in total mogul mode. He wants ownership of a, of an NBA franchise. His business interests are out there in LA. So if you're a Lakers supporter, um, you are really uh, excited about the prospect of LeBron James coming on board with Ingram and uh, Lonzo Ball and. Uh, you know, but in saying that, the deal between the Celtics and the Cavaliers need to go through first before anything really goes on, and, and to really see 
how the Cavaliers roster is going to look. Uh, and uh, the front office in Cleveland, they will be uh, extremely anxious and nervous with the LeBron James situation. Uh, and they're going to be trying to get everything they, they can get in this deal with the Celtics um, over the next couple of days. So we will, uh, we will keep focused on that and we'll bring it to you uh, when uh, news continues to drop and develop. Coming up next, we are talking the super fight, Floyd Money Mayweather versus Connor McGregor. And uh, it was an impressive show there in Vegas. I wasn't sure what to expect. We're going to come back here at No Holds Barred, uh, let you know what we saw. You're listening to No Holds Barred. We'll be back here very shortly. We are back, No Holds Barred Studios. We're going to segue into some boxing slash UFC slash the super fight that took place in Vegas, McGregor versus Mayweather. If you didn't know about it, you live on another planet. Uh, This thing was high-octane marketing, high-octane... Explosive, uh, explosive build-up. There's no other way to describe it. This has never been seen before. Uh, record money in regards to uh, you know gambling and betting on uh, an event or a fight. And uh, we must admit we didn't know what to expect coming into this one here. Um, you know McGregor, the UFC superstar, coming from the UFC. Uh, to fight in a traditional boxing ring against the greatest prize fighter that the world has just about ever seen in Floyd Money Mayweather. And uh, I've, got to, I've got to say, uh, I was quite surprised at the way uh, McGregor handled himself uh, through the early part of the bout. Uh, he was uh, really he was the better man winning the, the first two to three rounds. But uh, Mayweather was uh, absolutely clinical with the way he went about uh, his fight tactically, uh, really saving his energy uh, early on, playing a little bit of rope-a-dope, uh, biding his time. And then his superior uh, superior striking, his superior boxing skills really, uh, really wore Mayweather down, uh, really wore McGregor down, I should say. And uh, Floyd got the stoppage, as we know, in the... Uh, in the 10th round when the the referee had to stop the fight because uh, McGregor was going to drop. He was going to fall. There was no doubt about it. And uh, the the superior boxing skills was really the difference in the end uh, from Mayweather. I thought a a pretty predictable result uh, for it to go 10 rounds. I thought it was a good show, a good event. Uh, Obviously, plenty of hype. Um, And McGregor put in a, a pretty... Pretty solid display, I thought. Uh, I thought Mayweather was probably foxing uh, through the early rounds, and uh, but once he uh, once he was comfortable and once he he upped his uh, his intensity and his level, uh, it was only a matter of time before he got the result that he was after. And uh, you know, 
for it to go ten rounds, I thought um, uh, pretty 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 good show, pretty good event overall. I think uh, it was well received, um, and um, you know, it it was something that, um, as I said, coming into the event, uh, we really had no idea what to expect. Uh, we didn't know if it was it was really going to be a circus act, if it was going to be a, you know an absolute um, an absolute fizzer. And, um, you know, McGregor, he, he showed some, uh, you know, some good boxing skills. He was hard to, uh, he was hard to track down. And, um, you know, it was interesting nonetheless. It was interesting. McGregor uh, with the southpaw stance, he was coming at Mayweather with different angles. And Mayweather was really just piecing the, the puzzle together for the, the first, uh, four to five rounds. And then when he hit the, hit the nitro button and, uh, McGregor's, uh, inferior conditioning over, over the, uh, the, the boxing distance, I should say, really used to, used to those five minute rounds or, or 25 minute maximum fights, uh, during the UFC championship belts that he's used to, uh, competing for. And, uh, where Mayweather, the three minute rounds, the boxing rounds, the conditioning was always going to be a factor. Was McGregor going to be able to, uh, be in, uh, boxing World Championship Boxing uh, Fitness and Conditioning Shape. And in the end, uh, that was found out. Mayweather was uh, incredibly uh, strategic and tactical with his approach. And uh, it was the, 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 a master class from Mayweather in the end. And uh, he got his man pinned and he, he basically picked him off uh, at will. Overall, uh, a really, really good uh, event uh, and um, a really, really good show. Both men uh, paid in uh, paid extremely well, of course. Mayweather frightening numbers somewhere in excess of three hundred million. It's been reported that that he uh, that he made uh, from the fight. You know the reason why that number is so high, up in that three hundred million dollar range. Uh, incredible astronomical numbers there is because. Mayweather's uh, company, uh, Mayweather Promotions, promoted the fight. Um, so that's the reason why his take is uh, so uh, so incredibly high. Um, you know, and and McGregor on the other hand, well, I think it was reported somewhere in excess of of thirty million dollars, uh, something along those lines. So his net worth has gone through the roof as well. Um, everybody won uh, during this uh, during this uh, fight. Uh, you know, Mayweather certainly won. Uh, McGregor, even though he lost the fight, his brand, his awareness, uh, you know, his bank balance certainly won. Um, you know, I think the fans, uh, I think it was highly entertaining over the, the two months, the build-up, uh, and then the, the fight itself. Uh, I believe the T-Mobile the Arena there in Vegas, which seats... Uh, 20,000, I believe they only got around about 14,000, 14,500 people in there. Um, that was probably the only downside of the event, uh, not filling out that stadium. So in terms of uh, that had 20,000 people in there, uh, the electricity there at the event and, and for the fans watching via pay-per-view would have been a little bit more, uh, as I said, would have been a little bit more... Uh, Exciting, a little bit more electrical uh, atmosphere, but you know the the tickets were uh, outrageously priced. I think it was two and a half thousand uh, dollars for the very, very uh, 
you, you know, the seats that were uh, the nosebleed section of the seats there in the T-Mobile Arena. So, um, you know, when the, the cheapest tickets are $2,500, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that uh, they couldn't fill out that arena. But, hey, that's the way it was. Uh, you know, uh, upwards of... Uh, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the for the ringside seats, all the way back to two and a half thousand for the nosebleed section. So it was uh, it was a, a celebrity driven uh, event, and uh, it was something that we've never seen before. And I think uh, I think both the UFC ha- have won out of this. I think boxing uh, has won out of this as well. As we know, boxing is really fledging at the moment. So uh, Mayweather moves to fifty and zero. Uh, his legacy is intact, and now I expect uh, I expect Mayweather, I expect that to be his last fight. Um, but Floyd loves money that much that um, you know, if something like this, uh, the opportunity like this comes up again, uh, never say never for uh, for money Mayweather. Um, there may be some other attractive fights out there where the money's too good for him to pass up. Uh, he loves making it. He loves spending it. He loves, uh, you know, he loves gambling um, with with the the money that he makes. Um, but I expect money. I I expect Mayweather to head into the, you know, uh, continue with the promotional side of things with his uh, with his company uh, Mayweather Promotions, and uh, he will have a fleet of uh, of fighters and a stable of fighters that he'll promote and. Uh, he will continue to be involved heavily and continue to make bucket loads of cash. As for McGregor, I expect him to head back to the UFC, um, take off where uh, take off where he left off, and uh, there will be some guys that will be uh, froth- frothing at the mouth to get a crack at McGregor inside the octagon, and uh, I expect fans to be flocking uh, to TV uh, to TV uh, screens to watch McGregor. Uh, in the UFC, and there may be some more boxing opportunities for McGregor uh, to come across and, um, you know, take up, um, you know, some big prize fights uh, in the ring. He creates all kinds of attention and buzz, and some of these, uh, some of these fighters, uh, these, uh, these boxers, may want uh, to get McGregor in the ring uh, for a big payday for themselves. So, you know, in terms of uh, McGregor. Uh, there may be a combination of some UFC action plus, uh, you know, maybe uh, the odd boxing match if the if the money or the deal's right. Um, so overall, I thought it was a fascinating event, very very enjoyable. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, predict- predictable result. Mayweather, I think, was always going to win the bout. For McGregor to go ten rounds, I think it was great. Uh, great for him. Uh, he wasn't embarrassed at all. Uh, everybody uh, is a winner in this one here, and. Uh, we are coming up next. We are talking tennis. US Open is happening. This is No Holds Barred. I thought it was a great show. Yeah, McGregor. McGregor, he wasn't bad. I thought it was going to be just, uh, I thought it was going to be easy pickings for Floyd. I think Floyd was foxing in the early rounds. I really do. He was so he looked so relaxed at uh, you know in his corner. He was just chilling out, smiling on his face, just really taking it in. Probably thinking of all the all the cash he was making, and then uh, he hit the nitro button, and it was all over. But I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a good show. Very very enjoyable. 
In saying that, we want to transition now onto some tennis. We have got to talk tennis because the fourth Grand Slam of the year is going on. Live New York City, the US Open 2017, and it is all systems go there in New York. And over the next two weeks, uh, it is going to be some high-octane action there. Uh, a lot of the superstars are in action. We've got Federer, we've got Nadal. We, we do have a lot of injuries. We have spoken about this earlier on. Um, so, you know, some of the men's draw is going to be uh, a little bit decimated. But I wanted to talk to, uh, talk to fans out there about, uh, you know, a few guys who I think are ready to take the, the next step at Grand Slam level. And uh, they may be ready to spring some surprises out there. Um, coming into the event, the US Open event, there were a couple of major lead-up events. The first one was uh, the Montreal 1000, where, you know, in the final, uh, you know, the great Roger Federer uh, made another final there. He was the favourite uh, really going into the event. Uh, but Alexander Zverev, the young German uh, the, this guy is uh, set for superstardom. If you haven't heard of him, uh, you've been living living under a rock. But uh, uh, if you are, you know, up and about with the with the tennis and you and you follow the ATP tour, you would know that this guy's been on the radar for a little while now. Uh, the young German stands about six foot five, six foot six, uh, long levers, uh, big serve. Uh, absolute world-class lights-out backhand. Uh, and the forehand, when he first came on the scene there a few years ago, it was a little bit patchy. Uh, the swing was a little bit uh, a little bit awkward. He made a lot of errors off that. But uh, he's done a great job uh, of smoothing that out. And uh, now the forehand is a big weapon as well. Um, you know, he is one to look out for. And he took the title there in Montreal over Federer in straight sets, Federer did uh, wasn't moving uh, as as well as uh, he would have liked. He had a little bit of a back stiffness, a little bit of a, a back ailment. But Zverev uh, took out the Montreal 1000 there, and uh, the week before he won in Washington, the 500 level event there. So he was coming into uh, the U.S. Open in red hot form. Um, another one who I want to talk about, another youngster, uh, another Gen. Generation Y uh, star is uh, the Canadian Denis Shapovalov, and uh, he had an amazing tournament there at home in Canada. Uh, he beat uh, he beat Del Potro, and then uh, he stunned Rafael Nadal. And uh, he is a lefty. He's only 18 years of age, uh, a gifted shot maker. He's very very smooth off the ground with his serve, moves well, he's athletic. As I said, single-hand backhand, very very free-flowing. He's a junior Wimbledon champion from a couple of years ago. As I said, 18 years of age, this guy is catapulted into the top 100 in the world. Expect him to make a run here at the US Open. He is dangerous. There's no doubt about that. I think this kid is a future top 10 player. And uh, definitely one to look out for. Canadian tennis is going to be really healthy with this youngster. And he blazed his way through to the semifinals there. I think it was Zverev who cut him down in the semis. Um, so he's arrived. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he's up 200 spots in the last six months. 
and um, Dennis Shapovalov. Expect him to do some damage in New York. Coming up next, we are talking Grigor Dimitrov. This is No Holds Barred. Yeah, Shapovalov, man. Super impressive performance at the Montreal 1000. Some really world-class wins there. Not only... It's it's tough enough winning uh, winning against a guy of, uh, such as Del Potro or someone of this class and magnitude, but to back up and to back up again and to make a run to the semifinals... Uh, a, a fantastic result there for Canadian tennis, and he set the tournament alight. He really did, and it took, uh, you know, the best player I think this year outside of Federer. I think Federer has been uh, the number one player in the world so far this year. Alexander Zverev is right behind him, right on his tail, and uh, it took Zverev to take down Shapovalov in the semi-finals. And as we know, Zverev went on to win the title. So. Uh, yeah, Shapovalov, I definitely think he's a future top 10 player. I said 18 years of age. Expect uh, amazing things from this kid moving forward. Uh, and he's a left-hander as well. So he has a, he has a, even more of an, an advantage as well as his, uh, his athletic gifts and uh, free-flowing shot-making. Um, after the Montreal 1000, uh, the tour... Moved on to Cincinnati for the Cincinnati 1000, another Masters level event. And uh, another guy who I've been extremely big on for a while now, uh, Grigor Dimitrov. He had a great Australian Open, uh, making a run to the semifinals. And uh, he shook the heck out of Rafael Nadal in that semi. Uh, pulled up short, could have found himself in an Australian Open final. Um, you know... He continued uh, some good form for the next month uh, on tour, but then uh, since then he's found uh, he's found a few problems. Uh, his levels dropped off a bit, and uh, yeah, maybe it's a lack of focus. Grigor has been one uh, over his career to go missing, to to drift, um, but in Cincinnati uh, last week. He, he was back with a vengeance. Uh, he focused incredibly well during the week. Uh, he was on absolute lockdown uh, with his mindset and he, his mental approach. And uh, he, went all, he went all the way and took out the title. And uh, he played some impressive tennis. And, and uh, he basically used his athletic uh, ability. World-class athlete is Dimitrov. He comes from incredible stock. And he used his... Uh, his athletic ability, um, which is generally it's a it's an advantage over most of his opponents, except for the super super elite guys such as uh, such as the the Nadal's, uh, the Murray's, and the uh, you know the Djokovic's, the Federer's. Um, but he uh, he just played a lot of balls back, was patient, used the sliced backhand, um, you know the forehand held up well, uh, you know hit his spots on the serve, didn't overdo it. As I said, just used his athletic ability to track down balls, and uh, you know he blazed his way through and and uh, faced uh, Nick Kyrgios in the final. The Australian, uh, who has uh, you know over the last two to three months has had uh, had his problems, had his injury problems, had had uh, some some off court issues, um, some family issues, and um, you know and Kyrgios had a had a great tournament. Uh, when Kyrgios is in full flight, 
and is explosive and, and, and is locked in and uh, mentally prepared and uh, is willing to go the distance, he, he definitely is a top five player in my opinion, without a doubt. He's got all the tools. He's, uh, he serves in the top, uh, you know, he's got a top five uh, uh, world-class serve, without a doubt, when he hits his spots, he serves almost unplayable. And uh, he crushed Nadal uh, 6-2-7-5 in, uh, I believe it was a quarterfinal, and, uh, and then took out David Ferrer 7-6-7-6 uh, in the semis. So some real quality win, wins there from, uh, from Australia's Nick Kyrgios. And, uh, you know, in the final, uh, he just pulled up short. Dimitrov uh, moved the ball around, moved Nick around, and uh, you know the better man got the result there. So it was a it was a great week for Nick, really, to get back on track, get his season back on track, and the U.S. Open here in New York, uh, a big fortnight for Kyrgios. He uh, he is seated at the event because, uh, as I said, a lot of guys have pulled out due to injury, um, overuse injuries. Um, so Kyrgios, big fortnight in New York. Looking forward to seeing how uh, that pans out for him. So it's a big event for Kyrgios. He can do some real damage, but he has had problems uh, over the two-week format, being able to focus uh, for f over the two weeks for large periods of time. Uh, it's something that he's battled with, and... If he's going to get these results at the big events and be consistent uh, at the majors and, uh, you know, to reach that top 10, he's got to find a way to limit distractions. He's got to find a way to be able to dial in and lock in. And he's got to find a way for his body to hold up. Now, uh, in saying that, um, yes, he can probably do some more uh, fitness and conditioning and more off-court work. He uh, hasn't got the reputation of being the hardest worker. Um, so there are some things that Kyrgios can do to, to go, uh, you know, to go next level. And, um, you know, it's really up to him if uh, he wants to do that. But uh, really, really curious as to see how he can perform here uh, in New York. And, you know, he shows that... Um, you know, he can get quality wins over guys like Nadal, Federer. You know, he crushed Nadal in Cincinnati there last week. And uh, if he can produce that kind of form, he likes the bright lights. Uh, you know, if he's on the, the big show courts there uh, in New York, you know, maybe a fourth round and, and a quarterfinal appearance and, and possibly beyond. If he can dial in and lock down, as I did mention there earlier on, um, that will go a long way uh, to Kyrgios moving towards that top 10 ranking. Uh, you know, so looking forward to that one there. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov, as I said earlier on, um, you know, is he able to back up his, uh, his Masters level 1,000 win there in Cincinnati and take that form into New York? Now, the, the men's field uh, is a little bit decimated with injuries. Nishikori out, uh, Varinka out, uh, Andy Murray, an emotional press conference from the, the uh, Scottish superstar there the other day. He is out as well. Um, so, you know, Dimitrov, guys like Dimitrov, a real opportunity here to, to get through to the semifinals or, or, or somewhere around there and, and um, really, uh, you know, show the world that, you know what, I'm ready to go to the next level. Uh, winning Cincinnati 
uh, the Cincinnati 1000 last week wasn't a fluke. It doesn't matter that guys are out. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to go uh, consolidate the top ten. I'm ready to go top five. I'm ready to be one of these guys to play these big uh, these big events and to take down the, the Nadals, to take down uh, the Federers. Uh, and, um, you know, so, you know, hopefully... Dimitrov, as well as uh, big Alexander Zverev, can put some real heat on uh, on the, on the Federers and and the Nadal's and uh, those guys that are super super elite. And um, that's what the tennis world's waiting for. Who's going to be the guy uh, that uh, that steps up and competes extremely hard, really digs in and grinds, and when the chips are down, um, you know, is left standing to where it says, you know what, uh, I want to be the torchbearer. I want to uh, fulfill my potential. I want to uh, fulfill my talent. And uh, it's going to take, uh, you know, it's a perfect time right now in New York. Um, Dimitrov, he's up and about. He's firing fit off the biggest title of his career. Uh, played some gorgeous tennis, some really smart, uh, tactical and strategic tennis. And uh, the time is now uh, more than ever. Um, so guys like Zverev, guys like Dimitrov, um, really looking forward to seeing how they can perform uh, during uh, the two weeks at the US Open. As uh, the US Open progresses, going to be regular updates coming. Uh, you know, upsets, uh, I'm going to be reporting on them from the No Holds Barred studio. Uh, going to be breaking down some, uh, you know, some of the matches uh, as the two weeks pan out. Uh, really looking forward to it. So uh, all the no-holds-barred fans out there, get ready for some heat, get ready for some real fire because over the next two weeks, the US Open is uh, in full flight and I'm going to be bringing it to you uh, uh, with, with plenty of heat, with plenty of fire and uh, really looking forward to that there. So what a show today. All kinds of stuff going on. NBA... Super fight, US Open tennis. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, bringing you the latest episode of No Holds Barred. We will see you guys uh, over the coming week. This is Jade Colf with the Colf Man. You've been listening to No Holds Barred. Cause if you don't care, then we don't